Welcome to the Inspired for Action podcast. I'm Amanda Genther, and I'm here to share inspiring stories of online entrepreneurs who are killing it in their business and having fun at the same time. I want to prove that there's no one right way to market your business and sell your offers online. There's only the way that feels good for you and that works for your audience. I'll be getting down and dirty with my fellow online entrepreneurs to share step-by-step stories on how they created, launched, and sold their offers online. It's time to step out of fear and into action. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast. I am talking to Megan Minns on today's episode, and we are chatting all about her journey over the last year. So if you don't know Megan, she actually has run her online business since 2015, I believe, uh, full-time. And then in 2018, she actually kind of quit her business a little bit and went and worked full time for someone else's business. So we talk about that, like what went into that that decision making process. And now she's back. So beginning, I think, and it was either March or May, she'll tell us in the interview is when she started running her business full time again this year. So we kind of talk about what that transition looked like. And then Megan was able to do $12,000 in sales her first month back running her business full time. So of course, I'm going to ask her about that because I need to know how that breaks down. And then we talk about what those offers look like that she offered to her audience as she was coming back into her business. So we are breaking it all down in today's episode. So let's go ahead and go dive in. All right. Hi, everybody. I have Megan here. Megan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat today. Yeah. So everybody listening who doesn't know you, can you go ahead and give us a little bit of an introduction on who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I am Megan Minns and I am a productivity business and mindset coach for entrepreneurs who are ready to achieve their goals while working less and having more fun along the way. Awesome. And I have personally known Megan for quite a while, just kind of like following her in like this whole online business world. And then I was actually able to work with her over this past, I mean, like month, month and a half. What was it? Mm-hmm. A month ago? Four, it yeah, was, started it working was with four her. or five weeks ago. Yep. Four or five weeks ago, started working with her on her new program, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So yeah, it's been awesome. So I'm so glad that I was able to get you on the podcast. And the reason I wanted you to come on here is because you recently went through kind of like a journey that I want to dive into because I think it'll be really helpful for people to hear like it's not all smooth sailing. So the first thing I want to ask you about and kind of just bring up and we can just chat about is for the past year, you have actually been working full time in someone else's business. But before that, you were running your online business. So when did you actually start your own online business? Yeah, great question. So the journey has been definitely a ride. I started blogging, I mean, back in college under a whole different name, but I really started my business in 2014 and I was doing graphic design and branding and web design and eventually realized I love design, but hate doing it for other people (laughs) and pivoted to being a virtual assistant. And both of those were while I was side hustling. I worked full time in human resources and recruiting. And I was just doing all this on the side in the evenings and the weekends. And I loved being a virtual assistant. And that was like the perfect niche for me at the time. And actually, when I started being a virtual assistant was the beginning of 2015. And I think I got my first clients in January or February of that year. And by November of 2015, I was able to quit my full-time job and work Mm. full-time self-employed. So I was actually fully self-employed from about November of 2015 until February of 2018. 
Awesome. And in, yeah, in that time I was a VA, I was a project manager, online business manager, worked with a very small number of clients very, very intimately. And yeah, in the beginning of 2018, one of my clients who I adore and is still like one of my best friends to this day, she asked me to join her team full time as her chief operations officer. And it was actually really good timing because as business owners know, sometimes we kind of can tell that we need to evolve, but we're not really sure where to go. And I was actually at that point in my business where I was like, the current situation isn't really what I want to be doing anymore. I really didn't want to be doing just project management. I didn't really want to be talking about tech in the same way and systems that I was. I didn't really know where to go from there. And I got this opportunity to work with a client and her team full-time and I took it. So that's when I started working full-time for another business again. I love that. And I have a very similar story as far as like I was offered that position. I actually chose not to take it. But what ended up happening was I ended up doing something totally different anyway. So I would love to know like at that point in your business in February, like were you feeling a certain way or like how how can you explain that feeling of like you just felt like you needed to do something different, but you weren't sure when, like what you should do. And then when you were presented with this opportunity, like you knew right away, this is what I need to do. Like, how were you feeling back then? Great question. I was burned out. I was definitely, you know, 2017, 2018, Megan was not, not love, not love in life. She was working all the time. She was burned out, stressed out, always overwhelmed. Like I remember my husband was like, didn't you start this whole business thing to like have fun? And you're just like stressed out all the time. And I was bouncing around between a lot of different ideas. This might sound familiar. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this. Like not only shiny object syndrome, but also like not being sure what the next step is for them. And I was totally looking to other people to tell me the next step. So I was like buying courses, hiring coaches, just like waiting for someone to give me the magic pill for like what the next step of my business was. And I refused to look inward and look at my intuition and figure out what it was. I just didn't feel like I had the answer. So I was waiting for someone to tell me. So that meant I was kind of jumping around a lot in my business. And I always felt like I was trying something new. I'd launch a product and then launch another product and then try something new and then start a YouTube channel and then start coaching and then try project management and just felt really lost. Like I had a moment around the holidays before I took the job where I was like, what's the point of all of this? Like, I'm stressed out. I'm not really having fun. Yes, I'm making good money, which was like exciting. But like, what's my purpose? I'm just like here talking about stuff I don't really want to talk about anymore. And I don't know, I just felt purposeless and I felt very lost and unsure of what to do. And so when the opportunity came for me, it's kind of funny, like, I adore the time I spent with uh, that client full-time, but I do think I used it as an excuse. Like by taking the full-time job, I didn't have to answer that question. And so I don't regret doing it at all. It was an incredible year working for her full-time, but I used it as a scapegoat. Like by taking a full-time job, I didn't have to figure out the next step. And I could just, you know, go back to working for someone else and get paid consistently and, you know, have more stability. Yeah, I was actually going to ask that. Like, was was that opportunity kind of like your way out? Like, as oh, far yeah. as like 
you didn't have to think about like what to do next. Like it was just like, okay, this is here. You know, she's going to kind of tell me what to do. So Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about like what I have to do next in business. So yeah, I I definitely, I definitely told myself at that time, I had the belief and a story at that time that I wasn't good at being the front person in a business. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I've, I've talked to other service providers, especially virtual assistants who feel this way, where they feel like they can't, they're not good enough to be in the spotlight and that they're just meant to be behind the scenes. And that was definitely a story I was telling myself, even though there was a lot of evidence at that time that I was actually really good at, like, I was good at being on camera. I had opinions. I had things I wanted to share. I had a desire to create I think I just bought into this story that you're either an operator or a visionary. And I identified more with the operator role and less with the visionary. So it kind of made me feel like I couldn't be an entrepreneur. I had a lot of limiting beliefs, basically. I can (laughs) totally 100% relate to you because I have asked myself those same questions. Like I've worked behind the scenes on so many people's businesses. And like eventually you just get to that point where you're like, well, maybe this is just like, I'm better off just doing this, Mm -hmm. you know, and not really stepping out into like that spotlight. So it is all a journey for sure. So, okay. So now let's talk about, we kind of talked about like, why you decided to take this full-time job. Now let's talk about why you decided to come back to your business and why you decided to end that full-time job with someone else. Yeah. So I worked full-time from February of 2018 until uh, the very beginning of May of 2019. And so it was a little over a year that I did the full-time work and I really loved it at first. Like at the, at first the transition was wonderful and it was like me and my business bestie. And we were just like killing it. And it was really fun. And we started to grow a team and my role really, I mean, I created this role for myself, which is why it's so funny. But as the COO, as the chief operations officer, my role was to manage the team, do the hiring, manage the projects, you know, help us hit our goals, a lot of operations as you would guess. And I created that role for myself because I thought it was where I was good at work. And it was funny, like six months into fulfilling that with a full-time team and really managing people, I just wasn't happy. And I actually talked to my boss or my client at that time and was kind of expressing, you know, around the holidays, like uncertainty of like what I needed to feel more fulfilled in the role. And she asked me like, I'd love for you to think on it. Like, I want you to be more fulfilled. So like, I'd love for you to think on it. And over the holidays, you know, there were a few months I didn't really bring it back up because I wasn't really sure what the answer was. I was still kind of honestly back in that stage before I took the full-time job where I was like, what do I really even like doing? What do I really, you know, sure I'm good at these things, but if they don't make me happy, what does make me happy? What does fulfill me? And I felt like I just didn't know. So I kind of just kept ignoring it. You'll notice a pattern here that old Megan loves to just ignore problems that are like inner purse, inner, inner problems like that. And it really wasn't until January of 2019 that everything changed for me. So I had a miscarriage and it like changed my whole world because I thought I knew what was going to happen for the next nine months. And when you have a moment where like that all changes and you go through a grief process, it just changes you in a lot of ways. And I personally hadn't experienced grief that close to me before. And I like didn't know what to do afterwards. And my boss and my friend were great, like so supportive, gave me plenty of time, like very, very, one, like they were wonderful in handling it and supporting me through it. 
but it really triggered for me an inner transformation of finally, you know, clean slating all the stories, all the limiting beliefs, all the identities that I had taken on over my whole life of who I thought I was supposed to be. And just kind of like wiped it all away and just started fresh. And was like, it didn't happen immediately. Definitely for like a month and a half, I was like a zombie, (laughs) like just totally not functioning. But eventually, slowly, I started to like, try to rebuild who I actually am. And like, for the first time, actually considering me and what, who am I really like that nerdy little 11 year old who played the Sims and like all the little quirks that I thought I had to hide for so long. And like built myself up into this, like, perfect, I'm perfect and I'm organized and I'm, I know everything. Like that was the persona I felt like I thought I had to embody to be successful and that's a lot of pressure. So I just kind of like started afresh and for a few months was just like feeling it out. And I realized early in 2019 that like I do have a voice and I'm fulfilled when I express it. So I need to start creating content for my business again. And so it kind of started there. I didn't really know what would happen from there, but I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. So I decided to do it and launched the podcast within 23 days. And that was the beginning of me realizing I wanted to do my own thing again, because I finally let myself express my voice and I ditched perfectionism and just was like, let me just take imperfect action and see where this goes. And over time, you know, it was probably like March or April of 2019 where I was like, yeah, you know what? I've, I've got to do my own thing again. I think the getting pregnant and then miscarrying for me was also very much like what do I want my life to look like? You know, where I'm going to, I can design my own life. What do I want it to be? What, what do I want to be when I do get pregnant again? Where do I want to be when I have kids? And I just was like, you know, I do want to, I want to have my own business. I want to have that flexibility. I want to have that freedom. I want to do things my way. I want to have independence and decided that I needed to leave to do that and take the risk. And, you know, I was paid very well. I loved the team and it was like not an easy decision, but I just had a very honest conversation with my boss and my friend and told her well in advance of when I wanted to leave. And we had a great conversation about it. And ultimately she was super supportive. So I know that was like a long way to answer the question, but no, no, it was, it so, was a journey. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. I mean, like this is all of that stuff that's going on behind the scenes that a lot of people, um, I know you've been really open with this and sharing like this story and stuff, but this is the stuff that a lot of people kind of like hide behind a locked door and just don't ever mm-hmm. really share with people. So I think this is really interesting for people to hear, like just to know, because from on the outside, they might look at what you're going through and think like, oh, she's got it all figured out, you know, but there's a lot of stuff going on (laughs) behind the scenes that nobody knows about and stuff that like you're not ready to share about. And I know you just started kind of sharing about all of this. So um, no, I think it's really helpful for people to hear. So the podcast was kind of like that first step. It was almost like your your side hustle to that full-time job that you had and just kind of like your first little, like you were like dipping your toes back in the water kind of. Definitely. I mean, one of the things when I talk to my clients now about taking action, you know, taking faster action, being more decisive, ditching perfection, one of the things that I encourage people to do is find one project that you can prove to yourself that you can just do kind of quick and dirty and it doesn't have to be perfect and prove to yourself that not only can you do it that way, but it can actually lead to really good results. And I obviously didn't know what the outcome of the podcast would be 
But I told myself, okay, I know I want to express myself. I loved creating content before, but never really found a way to do it sustainably and consistently. I think podcasting would allow me to do that. So I'm just going to start a podcast and I'm going to honestly ignore all of the best practices for like all of it. Like I didn't take as a course lover, I, my tendency would always be to take courses and learn everything before I take action. And I was like, Nope, not going to do that. I've been a co-host of a podcast before. Like I'm not starting from scratch. I'm going to just take what I know and I'm just going to start a podcast and I'm just going to start with one episode a week and see where it goes. And if I decide I don't like it, I'll quit and I'll have like no real issues around it, but I'm at least going to start. And by doing it in 23 days, it allowed me to prove to myself that like, I can make decisions. I can make decisions myself without asking other people what they think about this graphic or what they think that should be called or, you know, what should the description look like? You know, I just kind of started and that proved to me that I could operate in this other way. Because one of the things that happened for me through this transformation and through this journey was I knew when I was going to start, like you said, a side hustle of the podcast um, or side hustling again with more intention, I knew I wanted to do it differently. So the only way I was going to do this was if I did it differently. And that was even part of the decision to go full-time and be self-employed again was like, I'm going to do this differently because I don't want to be the old version of Megan who was burned out and overwhelmed and stressed out and wasn't happy and didn't feel fulfilled. Like that's not worth it. So I'm going to do this differently. So the podcast was kind of like step one on that journey of doing things the opposite of how I used to and doing them more intuitively and just trusting myself to be enough as I am right now. Yeah. And I love that, like what you're talking about, just kind of starting this and like intentionally knowing like, if I'm going to do this again, I'm going to do it differently. And I think there's like a stigma around, you know, getting a full-time job and all this stuff. Like, did you have any thoughts in your mind? Like, oh my God, I failed. Like, I can't do this. Like, were there any type of thoughts like that? Cause I know like what I, how I would be feeling and maybe what other people would be feeling. Did you feel any of those or like think any of those thoughts? Yeah, I think I was able to not have too many. I mean, sure, an inkling of me was like, oh, that means I'm not an entrepreneur anymore. Mm-hmm. So I do, I wouldn't say I never had those thoughts. I do think since I felt I'm I like to be super transparent. You know, to me, like having the title of chief operation chief operations officer gave a lot of prestige to it. And like when I was a little HR assistant, like being the COO was like my dream. Like that was like when I'm 50, one day I'll be the COO in a corner office. You know what I mean? And so I think to me, I felt like I just changed titles, like entrepreneur to COO. Like people were always very impressed when I said what I did, you know, and like it gave me a lot of instant authority in a way that like even just being a business owner didn't like in my physical in-person life. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, I was able to not have a lot of guilt because I honestly put any any self-worth I was putting in the title of entrepreneur, I put into this other new title which that's a whole other issue, like putting self-worth in what we do. But so I'm not saying that's a good answer. (laughs) Like that was ideal, but like, I think that's what I did. But I also think my business didn't go to $0 when I was working full-time. I still had products that were selling passively. So my business was still selling like two to $4,000 a month 
over that time. So I think part, any part of me that felt like I wasn't an entrepreneur, I kind of still was like my business was still functional. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially when you have like, you kind of, you left at a point where you had all of those systems set up in place and Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes so much sense. I'm just thinking like, what, how would I feel if I did that and like stuff like that? And I know if I'm thinking it, then other people are thinking it. So that's really helpful to hear. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the harder part for it feels now, like Mm. I like, can I say, okay, you know, now I'm not, I'm, I am self-employed and fully self-employed. Do I tell people that I've been self-employed since 2015 Mm. or am I like starting over? You know, cause like at one point I was celebrating like one year of being self-employed, two years of being self-employed, you know, and that's silly stuff, but it's stuff that like we think about. And it's like, even now I feel like, oh, okay. I've been self-employed since May, you know, like I'm starting over and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I think also some of these questions are like how people view you and feelings about titles and stuff. All that stuff used to bother me a lot more than it does now. So like a lot of the mindset work I've been doing, my self-worth is like 0% attached to that stuff. And in the moment, like when I was talking about shifting the value to being my new title, I wasn't there yet. So it Mm -hmm. still mattered to me then, but now I can look back at it with kind of a different lens and just say, now I don't really care either way what, what people think about me or the title or like, this is just my story. And I truly believe that like this journey has been the way it is for a reason and that it's going to lead to something great. And it already has in a lot of ways. And it's just like, I have no guilt or shame or embarrassment or, or weird feelings about any of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's a really good place to be in, like just to be at kind of peace, like this is the way that it is. This happened for a reason. And now you're exactly where you need to be. So yeah. Okay. So let's talk about now, like we, you launched the podcast, you, and then you started getting those like inklings of like, okay, I kind of want to do this full time again. Mm -hmm. And you were dipping your toe back in the water. What gave you like that extra, like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like, what was it that did you share with like your audience? Was it something inside of you? What was it that was like, okay, yes, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this again. Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I definitely think it was primarily something inside of me that was just like, I want independence. Like I adore this team and I adore my boss, but like, I don't like, you know, the part of me that started a business is still there. I don't like being told what to do and when to do it and when to be working. And if I want to do, if I want to get my hair done on a Tuesday afternoon, I want to be able to do that without asking for permission. You know, all the things that frustrated me about having a full-time job back in the day kind of started rearing up, you know, those had been a thing for me again, even though it was the most flexible work from home scenario, it still felt too rigid for me, which I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to. But I think it was like that started some of it, but really it was just like an inner knowing that like, I'm here, I have a purpose and like, I don't know what it is at that time. It's like, I don't know why I'm here, but like, I'm here to do more than this and I have something to contribute. And I'll never forget. There was this one conversation I had with a friend Bev, who's actually my assistant now, we had worked together previously and we had stayed in touch. And this was like when I was inkling, like you said, the inklings were there, but I wasn't totally sure. She saw the Rachel Hollis documentary that was in movie in theaters. And I never saw it, but she saw it. And she sent me a message after she's just my friend. She wasn't working for me at the time. And she sent me a message and was like, this is so random, but I just left the theater for the new Rachel Hollis movie. And the whole time I just kept thinking that could be you. And I just had to share it with you. And I think it was honestly having someone else 
like that was an un not that I have a dream to have a movie necessarily, but like I think the inner secret part of me has a vision for me playing big and like being a not a big name, but like having a big impact. And I'd never felt comfortable verbalizing that to anyone, even myself. And I think to have someone else tell me that they saw a potential for me that big, totally unsolicited, really meant a lot to me. And I think helped me kind of like express that desire for myself because I got to say back to her like, no way. Like, honestly, that would like my dream would be to like be a big paid speaker or have a book or like make a big impact. You know, I don't have like one thing I'm set on, but I think that really helped, which I hadn't fully even thought about until we're talking about it right now. But I think that was a big thing that opened my mind that I could like see what was really possible. Hey friend, really quick. I just want to interrupt this podcast episode to tell you guys about a brand new free thing that I have for you. And it is called the sales page starter guide. So if you are an online course creator or membership site owner, or if you have any type of offer that you are planning on launching or relaunching in the near future, then you need a sales page. And I know how intimidating it can feel to open up a blank Google doc and just stare at it, hoping that the right words come to you and it never happens, right? So I put together the sales page starter guide to give you a head start on writing what could be the most profitable page on your entire website. So inside of this free guide, you're going to learn the exact 14 sections that you need to include on your sales page. And I'm going to walk you through every single section from the opening headline to the final call to action. Then we're going to talk about how to pick the perfect platform to build your sales page on. Plus I'm going to share what my favorite is. And I'm also going to give you my eight secrets for designing a long sales page that people will actually read. So if this sounds like something that could definitely help you, then I want you to go grab it right now for free over at amandagenther.com forward slash guide. All right, let's get back to the episode. I just got goosebumps when you were talking about that. Cause like, I love it when like, like she realized that like she was thinking about you and like you were the first thing that popped into her head, like as she was watching that and stuff. And then like for someone to come and tell you that, I just think that is so awesome. So yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So what was that first step then? So you, you're like, yes, okay, we're doing this. What is that first step that you took to kind of move that train forward and like get back into it? Obviously, like you had to put in your notice with your, Mm -hmm. your client and and that relationship. And then how did you kind of transition back into your business full-time? Yeah. So I knew that I wanted to start with services. That's just how I've always built my business. Like it always felt easier to just start with a service. And I knew that since I was trying to do things differently, I wanted to make sure I did a service in a way that gave me a really clear container for like this container ends, the service ends at a set time, which will give me plenty of time to reevaluate by then. So I actually had done a little bit of coaching before and I loved working with coaches. I always feel like I'm the coach in my friend group and I decided to do coaching. That was going to be my service because I didn't want to be a virtual assistant. I didn't want to be a project manager. I didn't want to have a service that actually had like tangible deliverables. I wanted to just show up and support people. And so I just decided I was going to do coaching and I was going to do one-on-one coaching and just start with three to five. My goal was like three to five one-on-one clients where we're going to work together for three months 
And I'm going to do, you know, a couple Zoom calls a month with them and then give them Voxer support in between. And we're going to start there and keep it like as simple as possible and just like see where it goes. So honestly, like making that decision and doing all the steps to support that was step one. Okay. And then how did you actually come up with that one-on-one coaching package? Like were people asking for that or is that something that you saw the need for and you created? I just wanted to do it. So people weren't at that time, you know, my business hadn't been super active. I started the podcast back up and people like over the course of my business had asked for coaching. I had done, I had had some coaching clients previously before I took the full-time job. I just knew, again, I was trying to do things differently. So I wasn't approaching this decision from the way old Megan would, where it was like, what is the most strategic thing for me to do? How am I going to make the most money possible? I love money. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But for me, I needed to not make decisions from a place of like strategy and logic because making decisions from that place is how I got so stressed out and burned out all the time. So it was basically a big experiment. And I was like open to it failing. And I was just like, what do I want to do? What sounds really fun? And what sounds like easy and very natural? And it was like coaching. Like I love talking to people. I love coaching people. I love giving them my opinions. I love helping them come to their own realizations. I also love to learn. And I think when you're a coach, you're kind of always learning and growing your own knowledge base. So it felt super, super natural to me. And I just decided I was going to do it. And so, yeah, it wasn't like, the most strategic thing to do, but I wanted to do it. And it felt like an easy way for me to get started. I'd also made a commitment to my boss that I wasn't going to start working with anyone, like start new clients, launch a new course, do anything until our work together had ended. But we agreed I could start like booking clients in advance. And so it felt like a really easy way for me to like build up income for my first month full time without the work having to start super early. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was kind of like that runway. And yeah. So I started booking these clients before I I left my job. Mm -hmm. And so when I left my job, I had like a week break and then my clients started the next week. Okay. So while you were working full-time for someone, like what did that look like as far as like social media and like emailing your list? Were you keeping in touch with people or were you kind of like just silence? I started keeping up better when I started the podcast. Okay. So previously, like between February of 2018 and like February of 2019, I had been really sporadic. So like a couple posts here and there and like three emails, maybe like very sporadic. Instagram was super sporadic as well. Um, so nothing consistent until the podcast started. Okay. So when the podcast started, I think like a couple weeks before that, I started sending consistent emails because I started wanting to express myself and communicate. So kind of like February-ish is probably when I started showing up more consistently. And so since February of 2019, I'm sorry, March 2019 is when the podcast actually went live. Since then, I had been sending out one podcast and at least one email every week and posting on Instagram, like the feed at least once a week, sometimes way more, sometimes way less, uh, or always at least once a week and Instagram stories like a couple times a week, if not every day. So I definitely wasn't silent. Yeah. So I think, I think a good lesson here is like when you need to like re-engage your list, it's a lot easier to come back at it with some free, like valuable content for them rather than just saying like, Hey, I'm back. Like (laughs) it's a much easier way for, for you to, to start communicating with them again is having like that reason to email them and like you're providing that value for them. 
Yeah, I made it super easy because I don't consider myself like copywriting isn't my strong suit, I don't think. And I that's actually a limiting belief I shouldn't tell myself, but I don't always enjoy writing. And I, especially at that time too, I was like, how am I even going to start? So having a podcast or having a piece of content to share really helped. I also didn't do the thing where I like apologized for being gone because people don't really, yeah, sure. Some people notice, but like most people will probably just think they've missed some emails, you know? it's not a huge deal. And the people who do notice usually just send you really encouraging, nice emails back where they're like, I'm so glad you're back. You know? So it, I didn't really, again, I was operating from a different place. So I didn't even think about it. I just started sharing and just kind of detached really to do that. I had to detach myself from what other people think, which was not something I did like in an instant, but had been something I realized I needed to do. And for me, it gets easier and easier to do that. The more I take baby steps that prove to myself that I don't care what other people think. So like the act of sending the first email or the act of publishing the first podcast was an act to prove to myself that I can do this and I don't care what other people think. And I mean that in a good way. Like I'm not a tag, I can't control what people think or say or do. And so every time I just show up and ignore that previous fear of being judged, I can make that fear smaller and smaller. And now it feels for the most part gone, which is like incredible and something I never would have believed was possible. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. And that's the number one reason why I ask everybody the same question that at the end of this podcast, like what is that that first step that people can take? Because I think there's so much power in that first step and just like taking that imperfect action and just doing it regardless if you actually know how to do it or if you think you're doing the right thing mm-hmm. or or you're worried about like what are what are people going to think? Like I think the power is is in taking that just that first step towards doing something or launching something or creating something or whatever it may be. It's it's all within that that first step. Yeah, I totally agree. And I really started to just try to view things as like, you know what? I don't need, I'm a big planner. So this is again, opposite of how I normally operate. Normally I would have had like a six month plan and like, I know exactly how this all makes sense strategically. And instead I was just like, you know what? I'm going to take this one step at a time. And I'm going to trust that that one step is the step I need to take next to learn what I need to learn to then discover what step two is. And that has been revolutionary for me because it's truly like I started the podcast and I was like, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm going to start. So I did the podcast and then I was like, okay, I want to do coaching. So I started one-on-one coaching and then it was like, okay, I want to do this goal setting workshop. Okay. I'll do that next. Oh, actually I really like talking about that. I've learned so much. I want to do a small group coaching program. Okay. I'll do that. You know what I mean? And so I, I am at a different place now than I would have predicted six months ago. And that's why it's kind of like procrastinate planning when you even try to do that. And it's so much more fun and enjoyable when you just take one step at a time and you trust that it's all going to work out because it means there's no mistakes. And so like, that's what I would encourage to anyone who's looking to either gain clarity or ditch perfectionism or finally take action and stop asking everyone else what they should do. It's to really view it view it as a journey, but there's no real end. Like there's no end point. Like we're not suddenly done. Like there's not a day where you're like, yep. Okay. Wipe my hands. Like I'm done. I don't ever have to do anything. So like, there's not this huge race and you just take it one step at a time and trust that like every step is getting you to where you're supposed to go. And when you kind of realize there's not that like one end point where you're done, it kind of like 
relieves a lot of pressure of like comparing your speed to other people's speed and your progress to other people's progress because like it really doesn't matter. Like we're all on our own total journey. So the more you can start trying to be open to this way of thinking about your business, I think the easier it gets to start taking action, the easier it gets to trust yourself, the easier it gets to make decisions. So it's definitely a process and it's not something you can just flip your switch. But I think the more you also follow people who live this way, the more it seems really possible. Because that made a huge difference for me this spring. I started to make sure I was following people and learning from people who were living out this imperfect action and seeing good results from it. And it made me just see what's possible. And that's one of the reasons I love working with my coach is because she demonstrates for me every day that like this is possible. And she's like a few steps ahead. So she shows me the next step, what's possible. So it's really helpful. Yeah, I love that. And I, again, can relate to that so much because I've always had, I've always really struggled with planning too far in advance because I just have that type of personality where I have, like, if I'm not having fun with something that I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, it has like, I feel like it has hindered me a little bit because I try to make these plans and then eventually I'm like, well, that's just not where I want to end up going with this. So it is really helpful to hear like, you don't have to have like this grand 12 month plan, like this year plan of like knowing exactly where you're going to be at the end of this year, because you don't know like what's going to happen during that year. You don't know what's going to happen with you, what's going to happen, you know, in your life, whatever it may be, like just taking it step by step and just kind of like feeling like, does this feel good for me? Would something else feel better and going that route instead? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, looking around, I know personally, I always felt like, oh my gosh, I'm, I must be doing something wrong because I don't have like this year plan. I, I struggle so much with creating like a plan longer than three months, which is why I just do the 90 day goals because it's so hard for me to plan more than that because I just don't know where I'm going to be after three months. So, <laughs> um, exactly. I mean, anything beyond that is just a form of procrastination and it's like avoidance and it's trying to control things. And, you know, we just can't control that much. And it's amazing how I'm sure you've experienced this too, even within the 90 day container change happens and things change. And so it's just to save yourself time because when you go beyond 90 days, it's absolutely going to change so much that any work, like I'm just going to talk to the logical people here, but like if you plan beyond 90 days, you're wasting time because all of those plans are going to change like consistently flawlessly every time. So anytime you plan beyond 90 days in any detailed way, like you're wasting time because it's just going to change because things change even within the 90 day container. So of course there's a ripple effect. Of course you learn things like, don't you always want to be learning? And if so, then how can you expect to know what you need to know to figure out what you're doing in six months? Like you will have learned and grown so much by then that like you want to give yourself the option of of evolving, of expanding, of growing and making different decisions and not feeling bad about it at all. Yeah, because I feel like on the flip side, the only other way to do that is you're kind of just like, when you have like those big plans, you're kind of just head down, just, okay, this is what Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be doing. So just do it, do it, do it. But you're not like, you know, poking your head up for air to like look around at like, what is my audience saying? What does everybody else need? Like what is, what feels good to me right now? Like stuff like that. You're just head down, do the work and not paying attention to anything else. So, and I think sometimes that is what could also lead to burnout too. So true. So yeah, I love that. And I love hearing it from you too, because I know how you used to be as far as like, (laughs) so I love hearing it from you. So there is hope. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I remember Amanda and I, yeah, Amanda and I were doing some Instagram voice memos not too long ago about this, you know, my, my transformation from being such a big planner. And like, you guys, I was absolutely the 12 month planner. So I say all of this with just experience and compassion and like ultimate understanding because like I did these things. Like I thought the same way, Amanda, you just said, I thought I was a failure if I didn't have the 12 months figured out. There was all this pressure at the new year to figure out what I was doing in December and, you know, all this pressure to like know every single step so that I could use my time the most wisely. And anytime something went wrong, it like stressed me out so much. And it's like, it's just so unnecessary. It's not real. Like, yeah, people do plan that way and like good for them. But honestly, if you're planning that way or trying to plan right now that way, and you are stressed out or burned out or often overwhelmed or feel like you're spending so much time adjusting plans or figure like, feel like your head's down, just like hustling and grinding every day, then like, that's not working for you. Like working this way isn't working for you because who really wants to live that way? As much as you love work, you still don't really want to be grinding day in and day out, right? Because that's not enjoyable. No one really, really likes grinding, I don't think. And so, you know, if you've always operated under this thought you had to have detailed plans, I would love for you to just be open to the idea of changing it because where has it gotten you so far? And is operating this way going to get you where you want to go in the future? Mm. And if not, then it's worth it's worth trying something new and seeing how it goes. I mean, that's been this whole journey for me. I know I can talk about it like I'm an expert and I knew what to do, but like that's not the case. I was totally experimenting at the time. And now I'm hoping to save other people the time by just sharing my lessons. But like, you know, it doesn't not every solution and every strategy and every tip and every tactic has to work for you. Like some of them will and some of them won't. And it's all about just like experimenting with what works for you. And I'm going on a rant now, but I hope some of that. I love that. And that was actually one of the episodes before this one that you're listening to was with Britt Colo. It was episode number six. And that is exactly why I brought her on the podcast was because like this, these interviews that I'm doing are like so focused on so many different types of marketing strategies. It's also what I teach inside of my membership site. And the last thing I want is for people to do what I call on the flip side of shiny object syndrome is like shiny marketing strategy symptom, right? Like you Mm. see someone else doing something cool and you're like, well, I want to do that too. And I have fallen into this trap so many times where I'm like, am I doing this because I want to be doing this or am I doing this because I should, like, I feel like I should be doing this. And that is the last thing I want for people who are listening to this, for the people inside of my membership site. So if you guys do want to hear more about that too, like make sure you go back and listen to episode number six, where Britt really talks about like using your own personality to kind of weed out those different strategies that just aren't going to feel good for you based on your personality. I thought that was really helpful to hear as you're kind of like listening to all of these, all of these like stories and these different things that my guests are doing to, to launch and like sell their, their offers. So I thought that was really helpful. So I love that. Um, okay, so I want to talk and kind of shift gears just a little bit and talk about how much money you were actually able to make your first month back. So this kind of blew my mind when I first heard it. And I don't actually remember where I heard it. I don't know if this was maybe a podcast episode or... I think I put it on okay. Instagram. And an okay, Instagram. Instagram. Okay. So you were able to make, I think it was over 12000 your first month. In cash. So we're not talking sales dollars. We're talking cash in the bank. 
Okay. So can we break that down? I want to know what, where did that money come from? Was this all one-on-one coaching? Was this something else? Cause we kind of touched on some of the offers that you have created, but I want to get like really specific and like, can we break that down so that people know where that money is actually coming from? Yes, we can. Um, okay. So about $2,500 of the, I'm just keeping numbers simple here. So let's mm-hmm. say the total, we're going to simplify to 12,000. So $2,500 came from my existing products and courses. Then, and that was pretty average. Like on a, any given month, my business was making like two to three or four, depending just random stuff from products. $1,300 came from affiliate revenue that month. And $8,200 came from one-on-one coaching. Okay. And that equals the 12,000. It should, if my math was correct, but okay. I went and looked at my books before we got on. So yeah. those are all roughly correct. Yeah, that sounds right. So 2,500 from the, so these were, this was previous products that you had already created. And then you yeah. said how much was for affiliate? 1300 1300 for affiliate income, which again, like all of that was kind of built up beforehand, um, yes. like stuff that you had worked on to get to that point. And then how much for the one-on-one coaching again? 8200 8200 Okay. And that was all prepaid cash in the bank that they yes. had paid you and then you started working with them. Okay. That makes yeah. so much sense. So when did you launch your, the goal setting workshop? Great question. I feel like I should know off the top of my head. It wasn't in, actually I might've started pre-sales in May. You're actually reminding me of that. Sometimes I forget I did that. Mm-hmm. I that's do. an example of me where I launch something and then I like move on to the next thing. Yep. And it's not a good habit for people to get into. So if you do that too, I'd encourage you to not. I have like a project to go back and there's so much more I can do with that program, put it on a funnel and stuff. I think I started it, it was either late May, but it was mostly June. So since my books, I think all the cash from that came in in June. Okay. And so why I don't do- think it's included in here. And then why did you decide to launch that? So like you had been working with one-on-one coaching clients and then what made you want to launch this product? Because it was relatively low priced. How much was it? Oh gosh. Um, I did $44. No, no, $33. The pre-sale was $33. And then I did a price increase. Um, Like the promotion was a pre-sale promotion. So if you bought before the product was ready, it was $33. And once the product was live that week, it increased to $77. So it was like over 50% off. Okay. Um, What made you create that? Great question. So I love goals and I love planning. And I used to talk about planning kind of with my old perspective in mind of longer planning, more detailed. And through both my personal planning experience and my business with this new mentality of focusing on a shorter amount of time and through my one-on-one client work, I kind of crafted this whole 90 day goal setting process because I realized that I was taking my clients. This is part of why I wanted to do one-on-one coaching as well was because I knew I had all of these strategies in mind, but I didn't necessarily have them documented. And so, except for like my personal use. So I was realizing through all of my one-on-one work that I was guiding every single client before we could really dig in through the same 90 day process because I needed to know where their goals were. They needed to have better goals. They needed to have really clear plans. We needed to get super detailed with their action plans so that I could help them achieve their goals, get more done, stay accountable. 
and be really purposeful and intentional. And so through my one-on-one work, I realized how important this was. And so much so that I also do 90-minute intensives with people. It's like a one-off coaching session. And pretty much every intensive I've done is 100% just this planning process because it's the piece that so many business owners struggle to prioritize, struggle to get clarity on, struggle to just feel confident around. And so I realized how important it was and that it's step one in a lot of ways. So I really wanted to, you know, this is the thing I did the coaching and I realized there was a need for me to talk about 90 day goal setting. And I really wanted it to be easy for me to do. Again, we're working from this new place of just like ease and fun and what feels good. And it felt really good to me to just do a workshop style course and have it as an accessible price. Also at this point, I think it's important to note that I wasn't selling a product, like a passive product that was over a hundred dollars. So my whole product suite is like 12 to $97 and that's going to be changing. I'm going to be increasing prices of things soon. But at that time I was like, well, I want it to be like still accessible and like a good intro price, but eventually it'll get more expensive. So I don't know. I just, those prices felt really good to me and felt like no brainer pricing and allowed me to feel really, really confident in selling them. Okay. So you, you first like thought of this from the clients that you were already working with. Yeah. Okay. And then did you give them, I mean, this is all probably stuff that you worked directly with them on. So was the purpose of this to kind of use it as a way to like pre-qualify other people? Like, did they need to go through this 90 day goal setting workshop in order to then work with you one-on-one or was this just kind of like a one-off non-related thing that you saw that people needed help with? It was not a pre like it, it's not a prerequisite to work with me one-on-one because I'll just do this with them one-on-one hands, hold their hands, give them the doc and we'll do it together. Again, really like there wasn't too much strategy behind it. And I know that's like probably the opposite answer that you want, but that's really just the way I'm making decisions right now is like, I knew it was the next step for me. I just knew this needed to exist. I wanted to see where it could go. And I think at the time when I launched it, I had an inkling that I was going to do a group program. And so I believe in the workshop and the original recording, I do have a call to action to apply for my group program at the end. So I I knew that it had, I knew it would be a pre-qualification for something, whether it was one-on-one work, whether it was a group program, whether it was coaching, like this is a fundamental thing that I do first with every client. So if they can go through and do this on their own and come to me, and then we work together after that, then we're just working even more efficiently together. So it can be honestly, like it's a product. Like I was saying earlier, how I launch, I have this bad pattern of launching things and then moving on to the next thing. This product in particular is an example where it's an incredible product, but I launched it and moved on to the group program. And this product to me has so much potential to play a bigger role in my product suite, in my business. So one of the things I'm hopefully going to do this fall is include revamping the 90 day goal setting workshop in my own 90 day goal plans and make it even more impactful and intentional. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then where do you, are you still going to keep that goal setting workshop leading into the group coaching program that you have? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such an important part of the 
stuff I teach. Like my whole methodology right now, I have a whole framework that's like the intuitive execution framework and planning is one of the three big pieces. And so I do believe having like the 90 day goals and the two week action plans are crucial. And so this material I cover in intuitive execution. And so to me, it's a natural lead in where if someone's not ready for the investment of intuitive execution, they can at least get started on their own and experience working with me in this more like DIY capacity, a self-study capacity. And see if they like my teaching and my methodology. And if they do, then it's a perfect lead in to intuitive execution, which at the time of this recording, I'm kind of revamping intuitive execution right now. Uh, It's my main focus and project because I am breaking the pattern of launching something once and moving on and instead focusing on making it the best program in the world. So I'm super excited to kind of see where it goes. But again, I'm taking things one step at a time. So I believe in having like one main focus at a time. So my focus right now is intuitive execution and making it the best it can possibly be. And so once I feel good about that, I'll come back to this workshop and see how I can make it more leveraged for intuitive execution. Awesome. And that's actually the program that I was a part of that I was able to work with Megan through and I absolutely loved it. And can you tell everybody a little bit like what is intuitive execution? Just a little bit of a background on that. Yeah. And thanks for mentioning it. So intuitive execution is a group coaching program right now. It's going to potentially look a little different when you hear about it. So I'm going to talk about it for what I know now. Like you guys know, I like to take things one step at a time. And I've gone through a big transformation of going from the overwhelmed perfectionist planner to intuitively executing on my plans and on my day-to-day life. And so intuitive execution is really a program that's meant to help you begin that transformation for yourself and see results much faster than it took me. So it's built around this framework where there's three main pieces you need, and you need all three to really be able to achieve your goals while working less and having more fun. And that's planning and goal setting, which is one of them, which we kind of talked about a little bit. The other one is productivity. So you actually need to be making sure you're working productively on your days. I love talking about productivity. And the third piece is mindset. And all of these things, all of these three things come together because we need all three to make sure we're really hitting everywhere. Because if you only have productivity and planning, you're on the path to burnout because you're getting the right things done and you're doing a lot, but like you're going to burn out. We need the mindset piece in there to make sure that we take care of ourselves. We listen to our intuition. We allow ourselves to be flexible and learn and evolve and enjoy life and like take care of ourselves and have more fun. So all three really depend on each other to live this way and to operate your business this way. And that's what I teach in intuitive execution. So I actually teach all three parts of the framework and I give like tangible advice as well as like mindset teachings, worksheets, spreadsheets, and there's a lot of coaching involved as well. So you go through the trainings and you can kind of learn the teachings and start incorporating these things like ideal schedules and routines on top of mindset practices and start living and making decisions in this new way. And then you have the community and the group coaching calls to get support, get feedback. I can look at your goals. I can help you refine them. I can give you tweaks on how to tweak, you know, make your morning routine work better for you. I can help you work through a mindset block or a business question. So I'm so excited about this program. And Amanda was in our pilot session which was a four week long experience. And it was so incredible to work with 15 women in that capacity. And Amanda, I'm so grateful that you were one of them because it was such a 
wonderful experience for me to facilitate and to get to know you better in a new way as well. And I'm just really excited for the future of this program. Yeah, I'm excited too, because you'll probably, if you guys check out Intuitive Execution, and if you decide that this sounds like a good fit for you and you sign up, then you'll probably see me in there. So um, yeah, yeah, before I started working with Megan, I felt like I was, and I kind of told you this, like I felt like I was very reactive with things. Like Mm -hmm. I would wake up in the day, like I would wake up, I would check my email and I would basically just be like, I felt like I was just putting out fires and just doing what I thought I had to do. And now since doing intuitive execution, I'm going to go back through it again because I felt like I was super distracted as I was going through it. And I've seen how well it works for people. But even just the approach that I took where I wasn't like, I wasn't 100% in, I was probably about like 70% in, I've still seen like drastic results afterwards, like being able to like sit down and, and say, no, this is what I need to get done for the week. Not checking my email. I actually just checked my email for the first time right before you and I started because I remembered that you had emailed me. And yeah. that is a huge improvement <laughs> for me. I love that. That was like the first thing I would do as soon as I would wake up is check my email. And then my whole day would just be like a snowball. And I'm like, okay, it's four o'clock. Where the heck is the time gone? I have to go get my kids. Like, I feel like I haven't actually gotten anything done today. So huge transformation already. And I'm excited to go back through the process and just do like a refresher on everything. So yeah, super exciting. So all right, Megan, thank you so much. This has been super helpful just to kind of like break down like where you've been, where you are now, what that what your business kind of looks like right now. So where can people go to learn more about you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so wonderful. So people can go to meganmins.com, which is my website to find out more and see all of my content and how they can work with me. They can also go to intuitive execution. Actually, wait, I'm sure Amanda, you'll put a link beneath this video for intuitive execution, but the main place is meganmins.com. They can also find me at Instagram at Megan underscore mins. If anyone knows who owns just Megan Mins, please let me know because I've been trying to reach out to them uh, for years and no one will respond. And then you can also listen to my podcast, The Productive Life with Megan Mins. It's on all of your favorite podcast players. And since you're here, I'm sure you love podcasts. So I would love it if you would go over there and subscribe and you can hear from me every single week. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. Hey, I just wanted to say thank you really quick for sticking around and listening all the way till the end. If you need them, we've got all the links for this episode in the show notes, which you can find over at amandagenther.com forward slash podcast. And if you really enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe to the show so that you get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. And if you're an Apple user, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a quick rating or review. Your reviews tell iTunes that this is a podcast worth listening to, which can help me and my guests reach more people and in turn help more online businesses. So that's it for today. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode. But until then, it's time to get back to work and take some action.